This month on the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, we're covering Maximum Overdrive, also known as Terminator, The Rise of Stephen King's Coke Abuse. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> My other option was um, also known as Disney Pixar's Carnage. Oh, I like that. Well, I don't think. No, I like that. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> the girls who cried be horror. Happy 2021. Can oh you believe God, it? it? Jesus age Christ. I mean, <laughs> while we're recording, we haven't made it. Yeah, so, no. like. <laughs> Fingers crossed this is not, like, posthumous. <laughs> <laughs> the last they hear of us. God, I really hope the last thing we record is not maximum overdrive. Ugh. That will be really, really sad. <laughs> um, but when you're listening to oh, this, yeah, we have survived. Yeah, we have survived the hellscape that was 2020. I'm really hoping that right. 2021 brings the opposite and just a lot of positive things. I mean, I, I am scared to say, like, we can only get better. Like, it can't get any worse because then it will get so much worse. Well, also because everyone was like, ugh, 2019, fuck that. Like, 2020 is going to be the year. Oh, and then my 2020, God. Ooh, it really blew up. So that, like, is so dark-sided that, like, everyone was just like, oh, my God, 2020, like, we're in, like, a new decade. <laughs> like, all this shit. Like, it's going to be the roaring 20s. Cut yep. everyone in their fucking homes for 12 months. I know. I did just read oh something that was like, God. I now understand why the Roaring Twenties were a thing after the 1918, like, influenza. And I'm like, yeah, honestly, once this fucking vaccine is ready for everyone, like, we're going to have another fucking Roaring Twenties. People are going to be crazy. I think I did see something like that, yeah. I mean, I'm all here for it. And I'm not even someone that's necessarily, like, someone that goes out a lot in general, even mm-hmm. before, you know, corona. But, like, it has gotten to a point now where I'm like, listen, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fucking go. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be that bitch that, like, when everything's back to normal and people are like, do you want to go to this bar? I'm going to be like, "Mm, I think I'm going to stay in. (laughs) I'm just going to take some me time, you know, as if I haven't been doing that for, like, literally an entire year. But you know what? Everyone's different. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So I guess we should talk about this. This is a disaster piece if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Good Lord in heaven. Good choice. So, um, for those of you that don't know, um, Maximum Overdrive is a Stephen King movie. It is adapted from a Stephen King work, um, which I don't have it in front of me. Um, actually, yes, I do. Why did I say that? It's loosely based on Stephen King's short story, Trucks, which was, in, I guess, like, <laughs> it was, like, published in a newspaper. Yeah, I know, girl. Trucks. Um, so creative. Oh, my God. Terrifying. Um <laughs> But I think it was, like, public. from what I read, it was, like, published in, like, a newspaper when he was, like, an unknown writer. And then after, mm-hmm. like, the success of, like, Carrie or one of those books or whatever, he then released a collection of short stories in his book Night Shift. Um, and Trucks was then re-released in that book of short stories. So that is the Stephen work. It is, why can I not speak? That is the Stephen King work this is based off of. Um, this is the only movie Stephen King has ever directed. Um... I wonder why. Uh, so, Alex, I think to start off, you have to give us give us the synopsis of this. Okay, Because yeah. I don't, I, I, I can't even go into anything else where we do it. Okay, sure. I mean, it's very basic. If you've read anything by Stephen King, you know that he has, you know, a lot of his stories have kind of the same basic plot line. He loves, you know, a small town, especially in Maine. This is not set in Maine, though. 
Um, and he loves uh-huh. also cars that come to life. I mean, Christine. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but there's a short story in one of his most recent collection of short stories that I've read that was about a car that was like eating people and it was really fucking good. So he loves, you know, to Ooh. make he loves to make cars come to life. He loves small towns and like people banding together. It's all very Stephen King. So you get all of those vibes in this film. So basically the main plot is a a rogue comet passes by the earth and we get stuck in its tail for about a week i guess i guess it's a very long comet i don't fucking understand science um but we are in it like <laughs> this <we're>... movie doesn't <laughs> understand science because no. i would think a comet just passes but um we're stuck in like its atmosphere i guess for a full week and what happens is it causes all technology on Earth, or maybe just in this small town, I'm really not sure, to come to life and kill people. So, I mean, a big chunk of that are cars and trucks, but it's also other kinds of technology, like vending machines and, you know, just any kind of electric boards or bridges or things like that. Um, And we find Mm -hmm. a group of people led by Emilio Estevez, who plays our lead actor, uh, he plays Bill, and we uh, we just convene, they all convene at the Dixie Boy truck stop gas station, and they all try to fight against the trucks that are trying to kill them. And that's the plot, basically. It's just a big action movie. Mm. I mean, there, yeah. That's there's, it. there's more to say, but we're going to do that, obviously, yeah. in our discussion. That's, that's just, um, but you know, as for basic. A, yeah, as an overview, you've covered everything. Um... Yeah, so honestly, it's like a zombie movie if the zombies were trucks or electronics. Like, that's how it felt to me. Um, Neither of us had seen this before. I've Mm -mm. seen um, not every Stephen King adaptation. It is on my long to-do list of things to do involving horror and film. Um, But I've seen many a Stephen King adaptation, as have you. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is one that we both, you know, skipped. I'm sure subconsciously for reasons. Um, so this was truly an experience seeing it for the first time. Um, yeah, should I just thoughts? get right into yeah. some? Yeah, well, why don't you give me your, thoughts, thoughts. your main thoughts on, on this film as a first time viewing? Oh, Jesus Christ. It's one of those things where it's like, I know from, it's notorious. It's notorious for being a bad movie. Um, you know, kind of the movie where it's like, okay, yeah, Stephen King directing is not your thing, sweetie. Like, No. Um, notorious for being uh, a movie where Stephen King was coked up at his fucking mind mm-hmm. um, while directing it. He doesn't remember directing it. That's how coked <laughs> up he was. It's the um, 80s, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, literally. Um, so going in, I was like, it's not going to be a good movie. But granted, I've watched movies that are not good movies, and I love them and I enjoy them. Uh, throwback to just last month's episode, Jack Frost. Not a quote-unquote good movie. I still really fuck with that movie. I think it's really funny and stupid. Um, this is, I think, 97 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And it feels so fucking long at points. Holy shit. Like, we'll get into it more, but, like, literally the movie starts out and it's, like, they give you no breathing room. Like, shit's going haywire immediately. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, fuck. Goddamn, all right. We're, like, in it now. And then it just, like, teeters off. And then there's just a huge chunk of time with the fucking people at the, the truck stop mm-hmm. and, like, Emilio Estevez's romance with this fucking hitchhiker. And I'm like, 97 yeah. minutes, y'all. Why do I feel like I've been sitting here for two hours? So I did not enjoy this. Were there things in it that I liked? Sure. 
Overall, did I enjoy it? No. Overall, would I probably recommend it? We'll get to that at the end. Yeah. What about you? Well, this was also a first time viewing for me. Um, I actually had not really heard of this film until I was listening to an episode of Corpse Club and Heather Wixon was talking about this specific film and how, like, it's not well made and how Stephen King, like, really Mm -hmm. didn't make anything besides it. And I was like, oh, okay, like, now I'm interested in seeing this. But... I think it's because I'm really, as much as I love horror, I really don't like action films. And I feel like a lot of times they mm. can, they can you know, cross paths. And so this, was, I mean, and also the title Maximum Overdrive really doesn't like entice me personally. So it's not something I really was ever, mm-hmm. I probably ever would have watched if you hadn't picked it for this episode. Um I, I love think, that you're outing me as the person that picked it. <laughs> it's your whatever I picked it. No, you picked Jack Frost. <laughs> I was gonna say I picked Jack Frost, but you picked Jack Frost. Um, it's fine. We collectively Next. picked Jack Frost. Yeah, I mean, you picked it, and I agreed to it. Whereas this Bitch. one, <laughs> I swear to God. Whereas no, because that's we were doing a themed one, and then next month I'm gonna pick it, and you kind of have to just go with whatever I pick, like I did this month. That's how we work. Um, but oh, I know, I know. I, I know. went into it. Was an open mind um, because I wanted to have fun. I wanted it to be a fun, bad movie. Um, and I think the first, like, 40 minutes, I would say, I, like, had a decent time when it was kind of just, like, establishing all these different, like, machines that were going crazy and, like, giving you different characters. But I agree. Once it kind of established itself as, like, okay, now everybody is in this one space in the gas station fighting the, the trucks, I lost all interest. It got really dull. I found myself like texting Christine and finding and being like, what's happening? Wait, I don't, who is that? I don't care. And so by the end of it, I was just very, very happy for it to be over. I did not care for it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Um, so there is a lot to cover about mm-hmm. some ridiculous shit in this movie, but as always, I know you guys are foaming at the mouth for it. Uh, before we get in, to all that um we have some behind the scenes slash you know fun facts about the movie um, i'm foaming i want fun facts okay i'm gonna start with this one um okay. there is also this a notorious film trailer for this movie uh alex if you've not seen it i would suggest the second we're done recording go find this okay. and there's a high probability that i will post it on our instagram as well uh so if you're not following us on instagram follow us on instagram for some fun 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 um in which it's like you know classic trailer with like clips from the movie but clipped into it is stephen king in this like darkly lit what sound stage whatever behind him is the fucking um green goblin truck mm-hmm. uh he looks beyond deranged and that's the cocaine. Um, and he's just talking about, like, you know, oh, there's been so many adaptations of my books and blah, blah, blah. But, like, this one I'm directing. And in it, he said, he has this, he has two iconic moments. He has one where he's like, you know, if you want it done right, you have to do it yourself. Um, which is so fucking funny to me because there are many incredible Stephen King adaptations that came after this. But even before this. The Stephen King adaptations that existed, the big ones, Carrie, directed by fucking Brian De Palma, mm-hmm. Christine, directed by John Carpenter, The mm-hmm. Dead Zone, directed by David Cronenberg, fucking Salem's Lot, directed by Toby Hooper, same year, Stand By Me, directed by Rob Reiner, and then we have Cujo, 
not directed by someone that's a huge director, Louis Teague, but he also did Cat's Eye, which we know mm-hmm. our friend Josh Rubin loves. Um, <laughs> shout out to you, King. <laughs> um, but so all these exist, and fucking Stephen King has the audacity to get on this fucking trailer and be like, you know, if you want it done right, I'm going to do it. It's and pretty ironic. This fucking steaming pile of shit. It is so funny to me. And then the fucking trailer ends where he's like, looks cross-eyed out of his mind like truly is like not even in this realm and he's like pointing at the camera but like not really and he's like i'm gonna scare the hell out of you this movie is in no capacity scary at any point was he not trying even to once. like do an homage to like hitchcock because a lot of like hitchcock trailers had him like doing little intros throughout like scenes of being like I wouldn't be shocked I wouldn't be shocked at all because I mean he also um, has like a cameo but, like Hitchcock did oh I mean yeah I mean Stephen King has cameos in all of his films so loves, you know I, you're always expecting there. that he really really does um which I was thinking about I was like does he have a cameo in the in in the new it's I know he has one in it chapter two but I struggle to remember if he was cameoed at all in it chapter one mm, I don't I know yeah I know he's in the bike shop in the second one, but I don't know about the first one. I don't think so, but I I could be wrong. Neither do I. Um, but it's not important. So that's for starters. So anybody who hasn't seen that trailer, um, go check it out. And anyone, pausing quickly, anyone who hasn't seen the movie, as always, if you'd like to watch this movie before you hear us go in depth with it, it is available to stream on Amazon Prime. So there you go. Um Moving on. So as I already said, uh, King, Stephen King, has stated himself in interviews that he was, quote, coked out of his mind all through this production, and he really didn't know what he was doing. And you know what, Stephen? That translates perfectly to the screen. Well, you know what? Honestly, I respect his honesty and the fact that he's kind of like, yeah, man, I fucked it up because I didn't know what I was doing and I was high off my ass. Like, he could have pretended that he was totally fine and he just, oh, I like the film. But he didn't. He's like, yeah, I don't remember it. I respect that. No, I mean, I do. I think he's been pretty candid and open about, like, his, you know, drug abuse Mm -hmm. um, and his past with that. I also remember, this isn't really drug abuse, although I don't really know the timeline for this, so don't quote me on it, anybody. But I know that Dreamcatcher, another uh, (laughs) outstanding film, um, which is based on his book, Dreamcatcher. He wrote the book, Dreamcatcher, mm-hmm. when he, it was after he got in this huge car accident, which I am going to bring up, actually, in a couple mm-hmm. minutes. Um, but he was, you know, like, so in, like, you know, in in bed, um, recovering from this high on, like, opioids or some mm-hmm. shit while he was writing it. And once that again, it translates perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, so... He also admitted in an interview that he did um, for Under the Dome, that television show that was mm-hmm. adapted from his work, that um, this is the worst adaptation of his work, which is, once again, so fucking funny because he's the one that adapted it. Yeah. He not only directed it for the screen, he wrote it for the screen. Yeah, it's um, fully his baby. I mean, it's also so funny because, like, obviously, notoriously, he, like, hates, you know, The Shining, mm-hmm. doesn't think it's a good adaptation of his work. Um while it's, like, highly regarded as, like, truly one of the best horror films ever made. Um, so I'm glad that he can see that even if he dislikes The Shining, this is this is the worst one. This is yeah. easily the worst one. Um, so now for some on-the-set stuff. 
Um, this isn't really a fun fact, and I'm sure anyone can put it together that watches. Uh, the main truck in the movie, um, the head on it is a Green Goblin, which is based on the, you guessed it, the Green Goblin from Marvel Comics. So all you little Marvel bitches, you can get off on that one. Um, you know what sucks is that that's like the only thing I liked about the movie, and I hate Marvel, so it makes me like it less. Uh, yeah, I, think, I don't know if we've talked about it on here before. I don't hate Marvel. Um, oh, I do. And actually, I love Spider-Man, which is where the Green Goblin is from. Um, but I, the thing about the truck is, yeah, I think the truck visually is like one of the greatest parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's incredibly underutilized in the film. Yeah. Um, we'll get to it. But so for some on the set <laughs> funny little mishaps. Um, oh God, I bet everyone died. In, girl, wait for the shit. Um, they were, (laughs) there's a scene in which, um, well, actually, there's two things. This is not a bad thing. Um, but there's a scene in which, uh, in the movie, there's a steamroller, it's go, it's running rampant Mm -hmm. across a baseball diamond. Oh, yes. Um, and Stephen King wanted this, like, bag of fake blood, because it's essentially killing children in the scene. It's killing young little baseball players. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, like, getting fucking steamrolled. That's iconic. Um, but... He wanted, like, this bag of blood placed near this one baseball player that gets, like, run over. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, like, when the steamroller rolls over him, like, you know, the blood sprays everywhere. And then, like, the steamroller would be dragging the blood across the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a mishap when they shot it. And the bag exploded too soon. Oh. So then it made it look like the kid's head just, like, exploded. <laughs> I kind of wish they kept it. Well, then King was, like thrilled he like loved that that's what happened but then a huge thing with this movie and if you're curious you can go on imdb why did i just stutter like that jesus imdb um and they have like a whole list because there were so many scenes in this movie that got cut Hmm. because of censorship Mm -hmm. because apparently they were like really really gory and stuff like that um Another fun fact is that it is rumored that George A. Romero actually ghost directed the film. Um, really? Because, yeah, because King was seeking um, treatment for his coke addiction. Um, and, like, you know, huge Romero fans, you know, have watched it and been like, oh, that seems like such a, you know, a George Romero angle or editing choice. Um, and it's never been confirmed by King or whatever. But it was confirmed, I believe, that, like, Romero was, like, on set with him a lot, and King would ask him for, like, advice a lot about directing. So, you know, a rumor that will never probably be confirmed. But the reason I brought up that was apparently King said that he, like, when he showed George A. Romero, like, an original cut of the movie mm-hmm. with all the scenes that were taken out in it, that it, like, made George A. Romero, like, sick to his stomach or some shit. <laughs> Which I'm like, listen, King is the king of horror, Deservedly so, for many reasons. Um, but do I think that anything in Maximum Overdrive was going to make George Romero sick to his stomach? No. No, I don't. He's probably sick because he was like, oh, God, I hope no one ever finds out I was involved with this film. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, he was like, oh, God, my reputation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, you know, we never know what could have been. And maybe this would have been... I don't think a great movie, but maybe a much more watchful and enjoyable movie with Mm. all of the extra carnage in it. But sadly, we will never know. Um, Some more fun facts before I get to, like, my really big fun fact, which is Mm -hmm. really so, so fun. Um, Is that Stephen King originally wanted um, Bruce Springsteen in the lead role. Really? Okay. Which is so interesting because 
I, I don't I'm not a huge Bruce Springsteen fan I have nothing against him um I, I don't has Bruce Springsteen ever even acted in anything like I don't even know I have absolutely zero opinion on Bruce Springsteen and I know almost nothing about him so I, I couldn't tell you uh, yeah like um so such a choice but also this is inc- well first of all and I'm going to get to this as well later. Anyone would have been better than Emilio Estevez. Anyone on the face of the fucking earth. Like, a wet bag of leaves would have been better than Emilio <laughs> Estevez. Like, I swear to God. Um, Poor Emilio. But- <laughs> King, like, you have more money than me and you're doing fine. You're oh, no. I'm not concerned about him. No. Don't but worry. You can, you you can shit on Emilio Estevez. That's in fine. In this movie. Um, Gary fucking Busey oh, shut wanted up. to star in this film. As Bill? Alex, I don't know. I, I would assume yes. It's fucking Gary How Busey. old was Gary um, Busey in 86 that he think, thinks he could play like a 25-year-old? I mean, where is Gary Busey mentally anytime, anywhere that he thinks he's he can do anything that he does? Did you like, ever see that video of Gary Busey saying he was going to pull someone's endocrine system out of their body? Because it's my favorite thing in the entire world. What? Oh, my God. It's It used to be on the show The Soup. And oh, I'll send it to you. It's just a video of him, like, yelling at someone, going, I'm going to pull your endocrine system out of your body. And, oh, my God, Elizabeth and I used to watch it and just die laughing all the time. I, it's my favorite. I'll send it to you. You send me the trailer. I'll send you the endocrine system. Oh, it's he's a deal. fucking, he's nuts. I mean, I'm just thinking about, um, I want to say, I can't remember if it came out before or after Maximum Overdrive. But, obviously, Gary Busey was in Silver Bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, iconic werewolf movie with Corey, uh, with Corey Haim, King. Um, mm-hmm. and even in that movie where he's just playing, like, you know, drunk uncle, he's completely on one. So I can't even imagine what this movie would look like. Let's just say, in theory, Gary Busey as Bill, the lead role, uh-huh. fighting huge fucking evil trucks with a bazooka. No, um, I could I could maybe see Gary Busey playing the like manager of the gas station or the like Bible toting creep, but that even yeah, those are like yeah, yeah, stretches. Yeah. Even that's like tough. Gary Busey plays the young boy on the bike. Oh my god, we can only have one coked up man on set, and that was Stephen King. Also, I have a question for you, and it's gonna sound really weird if you don't agree with me, but did you at all okay. think that, that the little boy on the bike kind of looked like the seed of Chucky? No. No. <laughs> like what I, the I, fuck? I don't, I don't like. I was just like looking at him and like his facial structure. I was like, you kind of look like the seed of Chucky, but like not. Whatever is it? Well, I, for, I already forget what fucking color is he green. I forget. I, I, we is we he just green. Why are you talking? What about? color is the seed of Chucky? He's not like. He's white. No. Yes. What are you talking about? No. What the? <laughs> is he green? Yeah. Hold on. Hold what on. movie did you watch? He has. He's like, like bright he's red like, hair. Gr- yeah, but he's like greenish. I'm looking at a photo of him right now. He's like very weird. He's like a very weird skin color. I stand by that. And you he's thought like this child was green? Yeah. In the Mi- movie? No, minus the skin color is what I'm saying. His like facial structure just looked like this fucking. What's his name? Her name? It's their oh. name? <laughs> she 
Jesus, we just watched all the Chucky movies. Glenn. Glenn Glenda. I... Listen, I'm just saying that, like, oh go God. back and, like, look at this little boy's facial, like, construction, and you'll see Glenn Glenda. I think you'll see it. I, I don't think so, head. because in a non-weird way, when I saw this child, I was like, oh, my God, this child is beautiful. I feel no. like he could be a fucking child model. And the fact that you're like, mm, no, Seed of Chucky is so fucked up. I think he looks like Glenn. I don't care. I stand by it. You have fucking child's brain. Child's brain. You do have child's brain. Um, but yeah. you also have child's play on the brain. Because um, you brought it up so much last episode. And it made sense. Um, Listen, I just time, couldn't no. remember what the fucking Seed of Chucky looks like and what their name was. So clearly it's not really in my brain. Oh, God, Alex. That's fine. Jesus I'm Christ. sorry. That I, I don't even know what I had... thought you were going to say. I, I never would have guessed it was that. Well, I stand by <laughs> it, and um, I I believe it. Anyway, moving on. I literally thought you were going to be like, oh, I, this might sound weird if you don't agree, but, like, did you think that the child was, like, you know, like a child model, like I'm thinking, and then you were like, mm, looks like the seed of Chucky. Well, I knew there was a 99% chance you were going to say, what the fuck are you talking about? But I knew if there was that 1% chance where, like, you also saw it, it would be really funny and it didn't work. So, whatever. I'm so sorry to just That's okay. You. Um, That's all right. We might have to do a poll on our Instagram. Ask yeah, we'll have think. to. we'll have to put them side by side. Right, obviously, okay. and yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you'll win. I'm sure you'll walk out victorious. Thank you. Um, so I got three more for you. Okay. So going back, like I said, to the car accident in real life that Stephen King was in. Mm-hmm. Um, in the film, in the movie, uh, and the when the Earth passes through this fucking tail of a comet, the date is June nineteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. Okay. On June 19th, 1999, was when Stephen King was hit, and it was by a distracted truck driver. Oh, they so, saw Maximum Overdrive, and they said, no, no, no. They marked their calendar. They were stalking <laughs> him for years, and they were like, today I strike. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the whole story with that, my mom, like, retells this story all the time for some reason as if, like, she was there. Um, she just thinks it's a funny story. Not that she thinks it's funny he got hit, but, like... He got hit by this distracted truck driver who was, like, he, like, when he got out of the truck or whatever, was, like, you know, talking to the police, was, like, I was on my way to get a Mars's bar or some shit. Like, you know, <laughs> very hick. Right. Um, and then I guess from what I'm recalling, and once again, this could be inaccurate, so don't quote me like I'm the Bible, babe, because the Bible is also not accurate. <laughs> I don't know why that was the fucking comparison I just drew. Um, We're making a lot of wild the- comparisons. It's okay. We're just, yeah, throwing shit at the wall, see what sticks. Um, but apparently Stephen King, like, didn't, I don't know that he didn't press charges or something like that, like, he didn't want this guy, like, to go to jail or anything, blah, blah. He, his, his, like, essentially, like, what he wanted to happen was this guy to get his, like, license revoked forever. And mm-hmm. I think that's what happened. That's good of him. Um, so, you know, he's not trying to ruin this dude's life, but also, like, keeping a dangerous motherfucker off the road. Um... It is believed um, that because of this movie is why The Evil Dead became a franchise. What? Right. So I had to read through this. I was like, how the fuck does that correlate? So this is the perceived notion is that Stephen King loved Evil Dead, the original, as many of us do. Um, He, you know, and people believe that because he praised it so much, like that gave it the original a lot of success, whatever, yada, yada, yada. So while um, 
making this film, Maximum Overdrive, he heard that Sam Raimi was, like, trying to make a sequel and was, like, struggling with it and yada, yada, yada. So the producer of this movie, Dino De Laurentiis, um, he brought it to the producer's attention. Um, and De Laurentiis then helped Sam Raimi make Evil Dead 2. So it's believed that if Stephen King had, one, not been a fan of the original and not happened to be working with producer Dino De Laurentiis during the time of the making of Evil Dead 2, it may have never happened unless we may have never gotten an Evil Dead franchise. Hmm. Well, at least something good came out of Maximum Overdrive then. Right, yeah. I mean, I love both Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. So um, my last fun fact, and boy, Mm -hmm. is it a goddamn doozy. Okay, I'm Um, ready. Here we go. An accident occurred on the set. Mm-hmm. Shocking. So in the scene with the lawnmower, I'm sure you recall, mm-hmm. um, it was like a remote-controlled lawnmower, whatever. Um, it went out of control. It struck a block of wood that was being used to support a camera. Because it was a lawnmower that struck a block of wood, the wood splintered and injured the director of photography. Mm-hmm. Who was, let me see if I can pronounce his name right, Armando Nanuzzi, if I'm pronouncing it correct. As a result of this accident, Armando lost his right eye. (gasps) Oh, that's awful. I know. Like, I read this and I was like, oh, you know, shit happens on sets. And then it's like, yeah, so he lost his right eye. And I'm like, excuse me, what? Because of this accident, Nanuzzi sued Stephen King. Um, for $18 million in damages, Ooh. and it was settled out of court. I mean, I would have done the same thing. I mean, yeah, and, like, that's not me giving any hate to Stephen King, but also, like, you- safety on film sets is a huge deal, and because mm-hmm. of so many things that have happened, I mean, like, think about something like The Fucking Crow, like, how mm-hmm. awful that shit is. Yeah. Like, it, it has to be zone. a top priority. Yeah. Right. Like, it really does have to be a top priority, Especially when shit like this, like, imagine, like, you literally have to go the rest of your life without a fucking eye. For what? And it's like, For this oh, shit film? A, literally, it's like, Ugh. I was working on a movie I lost on a film set. And you can't even say it was, like, something incredible. Like, yeah. while I was working on, you know, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. You know, I still want my eye, but at least I can be like, look at this fucking iconic piece of film that we created, though. You have maximum overdrive to save for that. So, that's uh, a yeah, huge, my 18 million, Steven. That's a huge bummer on every level that is possible. Wow. Exactly. Um, all right. So those are – that concludes my fun facts. Um, so I hope you enjoyed them. Um, mm-hmm. So are we ready to dive into uh, what actually goes on in this movie? I guess if we ha- if we must. Okay. Um, something, <laughs> something I want to start with, which I think is really interesting, is – a lot of Stephen King works and movies, like you were bringing up, like they take place in like small towns, a lot of times in Maine, and they're very, they tend to be character focused, which I really like. Um, you know, obviously he he's a, a master of horror, deservedly so, but like a lot of the horror and stuff like that comes from characters and their dynamics and their backstories and stuff like that, and you know, that only gets further brought to light and plays a role in the horrors, the, you know, external horrors that are happening. Um, and a lot of times in these movies, you get time at the beginning, like, it doesn't thrust you into it, which is a good thing. You get time where you get to sit with these characters, you get to know them, you get to figure out who you care for, who you don't, you know, how dynamics work, stuff like that. And then when the horror kicks in, 
then it's like, okay, like now usually like, oh, we're all in the same close vicinity with each other having to deal with this. And you care so much more about the plot because you care about the characters. In this, it's so it was so surprising to me, which is why I found it jarring, was as we said, it opens up and it's literally Stephen King in his cameo, second one, at the bank. I thought I was seeing things because all of a sudden, well, there's the opening fucking clip of the fucking outer space and then being like the earth was caught in the in a comet for seven days blah 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 and like this is what happened or what the fuck ever um Stephen King in a bank and like the bank sign starts flashing like fuck you and the ATM calls him an asshole and I was like what the hell I was like this is strange and then literally it's just like a montage of clips of different people different places with different pieces of electronical equipment going haywire so, like, immediately we're thrust into it, which is why then when they, like, cut back after this whole opening to, like, okay, now we're at a truck stop and, you know, do, 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 just going about our business. I was like, uh-oh. It was so strange. It felt like it didn't give time shit for any of the characters to breathe. And thus, I didn't give a shit about any of them. Well, I think it also didn't help that none of the characters were likable in, like, really any sense. There were a lot of... Really yeah, shitty like white men even like bill and uh, what's her name what's the main girl's I, name god i don't know it's she's uh, the hitchhiker brett. it doesn't matter brett her name is brett um bill and brett are like i don't i mean i guess if i liked anyone the most it would be brett just because like she doesn't fucking like take the creepy like sexual advances of the man that she gets a like a ride from and she kind of just like she's a tough woman she can you know protect herself so i guess i like her in a sense mm-hmm. but like i just feel like all the dialogue was so over the top and like cringy and kind of condescending there's a lot of like they a lot of like honeys and like sugar buns and i just don't fuck with it i'm just like shut up i it was it just all right. felt very over the top action like whatever like they i feel like they were just trying to come up with lines that like they could there would be like one-liners that they could like shout out and it would be like a big quote everyone would remember and so therefore there was Mm -hmm. no actual character development it was just all like grand lines that they were trying to say and like trying to like one-up each other on being fucking gross so yeah I mean I really didn't give a shit about anybody maybe if I cared about anybody it would be um Connie, played by Yardley Smith, who is Lisa Simpson, um, because oh right, yes, she yes, was yes. she was adorable, and if I liked anybody, it would be her. But like, we didn't even get a lot of her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, for somebody like Stephen King, who is like a master of creating characters, this was such a failure. Um, yeah, I mean. And he knows it. So um, it's just like it was so shocking to me because of the – and like granted it's because I've never seen a Stephen King movie, I guess, directed by Stephen King. And I probably will never see one again. He probably will never do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, But just like even with all these other directors doing his work, it's – that is a through line in in most of it. Mm -hmm. Even if it isn't like, oh, small town Maine, it is like, you know, I don't want to say slow burn because there's horror happening throughout the whole thing. But it's, it's paced incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And you still get a sense of the characters and, like, how backstory and relationships are going to play into what happens later. Like, that's just good writing, which is, once again, why Stephen King is a master. Um, 
yeah, none of that was on display here in this movie. No, I feel like slightest. he just cared more about like explosions and having like a, his fucking ACDC soundtrack for his like coked up nights. Oh my fucking god, bro. Like he just wanted everything to be like really big and explosive and like blockbustery probably. And it does not work for me and in, in just in terms of like a lot of films. I'm not a huge like action blockbuster person, but also it does not really work. Right as an adaptation of one of his works because like you said his works are more you know interpersonal and they focus more on character development and it's not these like big set pieces so it just it felt very strange to be doing that i mean i haven't read trucks i would like to because once again like seeing all all the stephen king adaptations i can i would like to read all the stephen king works i can i really Mm -hmm. enjoy his work um so i'd love to read trucks to get a sense of is it just overall like a, a really bad story or was this just a god awful adaptation by the hands of its own creator um yeah. be very interested to see that mm-hmm. um but as we're talking about the opening of the movie just throwing us right into it i would love to talk about this bridge scene um sure. in this movie those of you who have seen it those of you who haven't you know we're gonna tell you um Essentially, everything's going haywire. They're at a bridge, and it's, like, one of those bridges where, like, it will occasionally have to, like, lift up to let, like, a big boat go through or whatever. Um, So these dudes are playing, like, a card game in the little booth that controls it, and they're not noticing that on its own the machine is, like, flipping switches and going haywire. And thus, while cars are on the bridge, it's lifting. But it's, it doesn't, like, you know, just, poof, like, flip up like a trap door. It, like, slowly rises. So people on the bridge are starting to realize that it's moving, which, one, some of them then continue to drive onto the bridge, like, while it's moving up. And it's, like, do you seek death, my friend? Like, what are you doing? Um, but it rises up. But then, essentially, once it gets to, like, as it rises and all these cars are, like, stuck, they're, like, have their brakes on, whatever, on this bridge. Of course, then you get the classic. It's just, like, a, such a chaotic scene. And it's, like, three minutes into the film. Like, trucks are slipping backwards. There's a watermelon truck on this fucking bridge for some reason. So all these watermelons start, like, spilling out over all these other cars. There's this couple that's, like, in a car, and they have this shot of, like, the watermelons are coming down on them, and she's screaming like a fucking, like, rusty pipe is about to come through the windshield and kill her. Like, it's just, like, a watermelon that just, like, smashes on the windshield. There's one shot of a woman who just, like, something happens where, like, the car gets thrown or something, and it's, like, literally a two-second shot, not even, of, like, her body just, like, forcefully smashing through the windshield and just, like, lying there. It just, like, was so unintentionally funny to me because, like, the editing in the movie is not good. Point blank period. So it's just, like, so, like, choppily, like, edited together. And there's just the fucking random-ass watermelon truck being thrown in on top of everything else. It just, like, that should have been the sign right there if I ever needed one, that this was not going to be a good film experience. I think that's very funny because I had the opposite reaction, which was that this was one of my favorite scenes because I thought it was funny. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I, I like the scene. Well, it just, it gave me Final Destination vibes, like, really hard. And... Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I felt with Final Destination, so... We both do, yeah. And also, I personally just have, like, I've always had a huge fear of those kind of bridges because it's fucking scary like the thought of your car 
falling into the fucking river below is terrifying. So it kind of played on a personal fear of mine. And I thought that was really smart. I thought it was creepy. I thought it was stupid. I thought the watermelons were funny. Um, you know, the fucking motorcycle getting like the poor motorcycle guy falling into the river and then his motorcycle crashing Mm. back on people. I was like, okay, if this is how we're going to start, like, I think I'm on board with this. You know, I I enjoyed it. I think I wrote a few things. Let me see if there's anything else in there that I wanted to talk about. No, that's it. But yeah, I I enjoyed that scene. I thought it was a, a fun way to like bust open the movie. And I mean, because I guess even in that sense, like, the cars haven't taken over. Like, the cars aren't doing anything. It's just the bridge. Right. So I guess... I guess that's kind of weird if you really think about it. Because the cars become such a main proponent of the film. For the cars to not be doing anything as well is weird. Well, here's something to bring up. Um, <clears throat> the rules of what's going on here make no fucking sense no they make no fucking sense because you start out like you said with the whole shit at the beginning with the text about a comet so you're just like okay i'm not even gonna pretend to even bother to try to fucking piece that together secondly before i even get to the thing i want to say at the end of the movie when like all is all is resolved credits come up again and the first thing they fucking talk about is how russian satellites shot down a ufo Yep. And I literally had to pause it. Because then underneath, it's like, oh, yeah, and then we passed through the tail of the comet, so everything was back to normal. Mm -hmm. Which is what you're expecting to hear. Like, you know, the seven days passed or what the fuck ever. So, like, and it all just suddenly ended, and that's why it happened. What the fuck are they talking about a UFO? In no point in the movie do we see a UFO. Is there any mention of a UFO or Russian satellites? Um, well, no one of. hypothesizes aliens. Yes, they do. When? Yeah, uh, Emilio Estevez's character says that he believes that this is an alien life force that has caused the comet to come, so that the trucks will be work like will work as their slaves and wipe out humanity, so that the aliens can come to Earth. Okay, let me now rephrase. <laughs> I mean, it's still stupid and it doesn't make any sense. I don't know it where is, he even got that from. Regardless of Emilio Estevez giving us this exposition. Yeah. It is still the dumbest fucking thing I have ever seen. Just you explain. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> just now, when I tell you that, like, my brain was, like, short-circuiting, I was like, what the fuck? Like, the fact that, Steven, I know it was the coke. I know it was the coke. But even still, what the fuck were you doing? Yeah, it really feels just like something he threw in there to be like, oh, well, that will kind of explain it. Let's move on and do more explosions. It is the most convoluted. It literally sounds like when someone is high and they're like, okay, what about this? Like, like as if they, like, it sounds like someone is high watching a movie that's better than this movie. In which maybe something similar happens. Like, okay, okay, hear me out. But what if? It was like aliens, and they sent a comet to control truck, like the, the train oh, yeah. of thought. And then at the end, like a Russian satellite shoots the aliens down. So then the comet passes, and it's like, what in the science fiction fuck are you even trying to say? You see, the, like, the problem with that though is that like when you're high like that, those ideas feel really good. It's like when you're dreaming, and like your dream makes complete sense, and then you wake up and you're like. That's not right. at all logical. So, like, when when you're in that moment and you come up with this idea, you're like, oh, 
that's genius. But then it's the responsibility of all the sober people around you to tell you, that doesn't make any sense, hon. No, no. But they didn't do that because right, Stephen right, right. King. They were just like, sure, yeah, go go for it. They saw that fucking crazed look in his coat eyes <laughs> and they said, I'm not getting close to that motherfucker. His, I can tell you that. His coat um, crisscross eyes. Oh, man. <sighs> it literally, bro, wait till you see this trail. I swear to I'm God. Excited. Um. Oh, it's so good. Um, You're so right about the dream thing. I mean, what was I telling you the other day? That I had a dream that Pete Davidson was in love with me at a baseball yeah. game? And I'm not even intra- attracted to Pete Davidson. So, like, where the fuck? And it made sense in the dream. We were just there hanging yeah. out. Like, we were fucking old friends. Um, So, you know, you're so right. You know, it's all it's all a dream state in this movie. Um, But back to what I was saying with the logic is th- there's no rule of thumb. Like, in theory, you would be like, okay, all electronical devices – are affected by this, right? Mm-hmm. No. It's big trucks. Unanimously, yes, big trucks. Then it's like it can be small household appliances like a hair dryer or, or a, knife. a fucking electric knife. Um, it can be medium-sized appliances like a lawnmower or whatever. But also like regular cars aren't affected. Mm-hmm. Because we have the married couple with Lisa Simpson driving mm-hmm. around in a fucking car. Like nothing's wrong. There's well, also another part. They kept like point. they kept almost going to, right across the train tracks, and I thought what was going to happen was that the car was going to stall on the train tracks, but mm-hmm. not nothing ever happened with it. It was just like such a like a, a a very clear potential, and that they just never went with, and it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because it's just like what are the rules? Like it would be one thing if it's like it's only huge machinery, right? Like so it's only like you know big trucks and maybe like control panels that control huge machinery like the bridge okay that tracks fine but then it is like small household appliances as well mm-hmm. you know like a, an average lawnmower okay so a vending machine what the fuck con- a vending machine oh my god yeah. a vending machine yeah. like so i it doesn't make any sense why cars would not also be included in this like no. literally none um so that's the fucking base level of logic that you're operating on in this entire movie um, but you brought up, uh, Miss Lisa Simpson. Yes. You have to talk about her. Um, the whole time I was looking at her and I was like, oh my God, I recognize this woman. I couldn't tell you why, something about her. So of course I had to look her up and I was like, oh my God, of course. She's the voice of Lisa Simpson. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that, this movie has that going for it. You know, Lisa Simpson is here. Um, but this couple, the couple she's a part of, when they show them at first and they're in the car, first of all, there's a moment where she, like, tells her new husband. Like, they literally are newlyweds. They just got married. Um, she tells her husband she wants to go to the bathroom. She has to go to the, go to the bathroom just to pee. And he, like, asks if he can watch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, what? Like, I'm, I know for some people I'm not trying to judge, but yes, I am. <laughs> That's, like, a thing that you're into. President Trump included. Um, I don't want to hear anything about you and your pee fetish, please. See, I but have even... two. I have two different thoughts on that. Okay, tell me. Well, I think a him asking is weird, but at the same time, why you think he should just bust through the door and be like, "No, watch your piss now." No, I think the fact that he wants to watch her pee is weird. But I also right, think okay. that her being appalled by it and being like, "No, you can't watch," is also weird because like. I don't know. I live with my fiance and we've both seen each other pee a thousand times. I'm not like watching the urine like leave his body, but like, <laughs> like he could, like I could be peeing and he'll like walk by and I don't fucking give a shit. I'm an adult woman. 
Like, I don't see why it's that big of a deal. Like, I, when college, me and all my friends, anytime we would, like, go to the bathroom together, if we were, like, drinking or if we were just, like, if the line was long, we would just, like, go in the stall together. Like, I have no problem with that. It's not like I'm looking at your, like, vagina. And I don't, so I don't know why he, like, I, I don't know. I think she took it, like, sexually and he, like, made it sexual where it, like, doesn't need to be. I, don't, I just thought the whole dialogue was weird. I was like, why would you? I mean, walk? I think it. I, don't, I just don't get it. I think, I mean, in her favor, like, exactly what you're talking about, like, married couples, close friends, people you feel comfortable with, like, you can be in the bathroom with each other, like, if someone's like, listen, I gotta pee. And you're like, okay, I'm brushing my teeth, or okay, I'm putting on makeup, or okay, I'm in the shower, like, whatever Mm -hmm. the fuck it is. And it's not like, oh my god, don't look, or like, if you're talking, yeah, it's not like, I'm staring at your crotch, I'm staring at your dick, or anything like that. Although I've never been in the bathroom, as far as I remember, with a man while he's peeing, so check that it's off weird. my to-do list it's weird i don't um, recommend it well i'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to do it so nobody get it twisted nobody volunteer please i don't want to um but i think it's one of those things where it's like yeah when that's happening like that's the thing it's like he constantly she just says like i need to go to the bathroom and then he is like can i watch like that's the difference like it's not yeah. like oh, okay well i have to come in with you because i have to go too and she's like no you Slay. can't be in there like that would be a little bit like sis it's your husband now like relax like he's gonna see all of you like you just have to pee but it's him asking actively like can i watch you pee like what they're a weird couple it- in general i don't really see the the connection there there was no like romantic vibe i was really like i was getting from them well, what I was going to bring up, mm-hmm. other than the pee thing with these two fucking freaks, is that the second I saw them, first thing in my mind, I was like, these two belong on the fucking siblings or dating Instagram. <laughs> like, immediately, I was like, I don't know. Other than you telling me that we're a married couple? I mean, maybe they are siblings and they're also married. Like, they literally look like they could be siblings. Nah, they're siblings. Just like a they probably saw thing. each other pee. Right. Nah. Yeah, I just don't even want to think about where that could go. The freaky, weird shit with that. And we know Stephen King is not, you know, one to shy away from freaky, weird, unnecessary sex shit. Um, I don't want to get stories. into that. Yeah. Ugh. Anywho. Um, now, we, I must talk about the lead. Okay, fine. Emilio Estevez. Uh, okay, fine. Only the <laughs> movie and the biggest star in it. Um... Emilio Estevez. So, I haven't seen Emilio Estevez in a lot. I mean, obviously, I've seen him in The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Um, let me actually pull up his filmography really quick because I need to see. And I've never actually, I've never seen The Mighty Ducks. Me neither. Um, but I have listened to our friend Trevor's podcast on The Mighty Ducks, the old kid movies. Check them out on Spotify and iTunes. Um. But yeah, I've never seen, I think the only thing I've seen him in is The Breakfast Club, and he like has a small role in the first Mission Impossible film. Mm. That's yeah. pretty much it. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking. I don't think I've seen anything else. Oh, and I've seen Saint Almost I'm, Fire. Oh wait, wait, no, 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 no. I've seen him. Yeah, I've seen him in Saint Almost Fire. I forgot that he was in that. Um, yeah. I do like Saint Almost Fire. Um, and I do like The Breakfast Club, but. <clears throat> It's been a minute since I've watched actually either of those, Breakfast Club and St. Elmo's Fire, so I cannot speak on either of those in his role in them currently. But at least in this movie, I'm like, I might go on a limb and just say, it's not even this movie. I mean, like, Estevez is not a good actor. I mean, I'm not a like, huge fan of anyone in that family, personally, but. 
What can you do? I yes, fair. Would but then the thing is like obviously um his father's Martin Sheen. Mm-hmm. Um would you have to believe like when you have a connection like that, like is then Emilio just getting roles because of his father? You know, Probably. he can't act for shit, but of course like he's not ugly. And Martin Sheen's his dad, so yeah, put him in a bunch of shit. But like this movie is a, a fucking shining showcase of just how bad. I mean, all of the acting is bad in the movie. Not a single fucking performance is good. But that's not true. The one waitress that goes fucking crazy, she kills me. That's yeah, a like fucking her. performance. Um, but yeah, Amelia Osiris is like doing like a tough guy bit the whole time. He has like an earring. And this is coming from me. I'm going to fucking say some wild shit. He makes having an earring unattractive. Do you think having like that's how? Do you think like, that men with earrings are really attractive? Yes. Interesting. I mean, okay, okay. Did you want to read me? <laughs> no, I'll I don't have platform. No, I don't have any opinion on men having earrings. I could take it or leave it. I mean, I'm not. I, I mean, I you feel should like, know this from the Lost Boys, girl. Like, obviously, I think men I with earrings are attractive. I think if I had to pick a side, I would prefer no earring but i am not gonna like kick you out if you have one that's fine i'm like the fan i'm not a fan and at the end of the day like you can do what you want dress how you want whatever i'm not gonna tell people that it's just like what i personally mm-hmm. am really into um i am not a fan of like um like the ones like i i love the look of like the one singular earring I'm not a fan of just, like, the one, like, diamond stud or anything like no. that. That's very, like, Guido to me and not my taste. Um, I do love, like, kind of, like, a little hoop or, like, a dangly moment. Um, that really gets me going. I mean, that's was like, a little gold hoop in this. But because he's just, like, so just, like, annoying to me in this movie and, like, so hard. Like, he's, like, he's, he's like, an ex-con or some shit in the movie. Because, like, his boss is, like, a dick who, like, at one point is, like, oh, essentially, like, I want you to work nine hours but only clock eight. And Emilio Estes is, like, I'm not going to do that. And then his boss, like, threatens him, like, okay, well, you're on parole. So you either do what I tell you to or you, like, go back to the big house. Um, so, of course, Emilio Estes' character the whole time is just, like, everything. Like, yeah, the world's against him and blah, blah. But it's, like, Emilio Estevez like, truly, like, delivering these lines in the, like, like, so stale. Like, staler than a fucking church wafer, bro. Like, it's, it's not good. And it's not even, like, there's actually one line he has in which later on in the movie when they have to fill up the trucks. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure you recall. In which then, at this point, everyone starts cursing at the trucks. Yeah. Like, because he goes out there and he's, like, like treating them like they're, like, real living beings at this point. So he goes out and he, like, goes over to the trucks and he's, like, leaning on it. Like, he's doing a drug deal. I literally, once again, had to pause the movie and I had my head in my hands and I was, like, not this motherfucker talking to this drug like he's selling him fucking coke. Like, he's, like, yeah, like, I got the good stuff. I got the cleanest cut stuff all around. Talking about the gasoline. It was <sighs> so cringy but then when they start to do the montage once again of like okay now we're like all these trucks are lined up for miles and we're gassing them up otherwise they'll kill us he like literally is like they're all like talking to the trucks and he's like yeah fuckhead and they're like flipping them off like they're really talking to people and it's just so dumb but also i i I, at the same time i felt it like anytime that my laptop 
um, does that shit with, like, the rainbow wheel. Like, it's not loading. Mm-hmm. Best believe I'm talking to that motherfucker like it's right here with me and, you know, a sentient being. And I'm like, you motherfucker, I will stab you and your wife. Load. Um, so on that level, I understood it. But the huge thing about Emilio Estevez's character is he does nothing the whole film. Yet he keeps being called a hero. Uh, what the fuck has he done that makes – literally what the fuck has he done? Because this hitchhiker girl shows up and, of course, immediately they're, they're going to fuck, which I'll get into that in a minute. But, like, immediately they're going to fuck. But she keeps calling him a hero. Like, I'm like – at one point I was like, did I miss something? Like, what is – like, what did he do that makes him a hero? He beat a fucking electric knife that was already on the ground with a hammer. Um, He gassed up some trucks. Like, what is he doing that nobody else in this group is doing that he's really not, makes him the hero? He's not sexually harassing people. The, the bar is on the floor. The bar is fucking beneath the Earth's core with that one. Yeah. I mean, good Christ. Like, because at one point, literally after they fuck, I can't remember what the fuck she says. But she just, like, she keeps saying, like, oh, you're such a hero. Like, I, I wish I wrote it down. But honestly, I don't at the same time because it was, like, so fucking annoying. But literally, I had, I once and I stopped and I was like, I'm sorry, Emilio Estevez is a hero? I mean, even his fucking shitty boss, who's the worst, he's the motherfucker that brings out the bazooka. Love that he just had that handy. Like, I, yeah, that whole fucking thing, too. But, like, and, of course, that scene is awesome. That scene is incredible, I will say. Because, like, it's this shit is happening. The trucks are circling. They're coming for them. Out of nowhere. No explanation. Here's Big Boss Man. Big, they cut back to him. Bazooka in uh, in hand. You know, rocket launches this missile at a truck. It explodes in a huge explosion. He, he gets, like, two trucks in this scene. Like, but, like, he's doing more than fucking Emilio Estevez is. Yeah, Amelia Like, I'm struggling right just, now to think of anything he did. He's just standing up to the, the the men who suck. And he's just like, you know, he's kind of putting himself in a leader position without ever actually doing anything that a leader would do other than, you know, protecting the women and like, you know, saying that we're going to do something. But he doesn't ever do anything. He's just kind of like stands around. Oh, my God. I mean, that's just classic white man, you know searching for power right like it's just like i'm not actually gonna do anything or provide any answers but i'll be the one that keeps stepping up to be like we must do something guys come on we gotta do something and it's like okay are you gonna elaborate on that no no i'm not i'm just like, gonna nah. say we have to do something i'm just gonna like slowly try to fuck this girl i just met and that's gonna be my plan and then he does i mean successful when it comes to that i mean the one thing that he the only thing that he consistently does in this movie is throw out the term fuckhead yeah that is his go-to term he says it i swear to god like every other scene in this movie he's calling someone a fuckhead and if it's not someone it's something Mm -hmm. other than the fucking trucks like uh, unreal so um would have loved to see what bruce springsteen could have done with this role (laughs) um would have loved to see what gary Busey could have brought Honestly, I kind of wish Gary Busey was cast. Dude, I, I, it would have, I will say this and I will take it to my grave and we'll never know, but I think this movie, 
easily no contest would be it could only be a better movie with Gary Busey well because I feel like this movie kind of walks the line between like campy and just stupid and I think Mm -hmm. if Gary Busey had been in it it would have pushed it very far into the campy side and therefore it would have been a lot more fun instead of just kind of like tedious exactly and that's the thing it's like it is like it's said to be a horror comedy which okay yeah it's like a horror action comedy whatever but like it's a thing where it's like there's nothing that like maybe aside from like one or two things that ever feel like overtly like ah yes this is meant to be comedic yeah there's ridiculous shit that you're like yeah that's funny and stupid but nothing that ever really feels like right right no 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 this is really intentional to be a horror comedy Whereas I, which honestly, I feel like it really needed to do that to have any semblance of being good. Um, And I feel like having Gary Busey, who truly is like the definition of being on one at all times, would have pushed it over that line of like, okay, yes, now this scene, of course, is like overtly meant to be funny. So now I can laugh and have a good time with it. Right. Um, But, you know, pour one out for what could have been with our King Gary. Okay. A few more things that I want to touch upon um, is one of them being, as I brought up earlier, I hate this shit in movies. And it's very much, you know, happened in the 80s and older movies. It's less so now than when I, from the most part from what I see. But this thing where it's like, this, this woman meets a man that day, that day. And not only is she like, okay, I'm going to fuck him. Which, you know, what is fine, girl. Like, live your truth. There are people in real life all the time that meet some guy one day and fuck him that day. And that's your truth and that's what makes you happy and you want to have a good time. I'm not going to judge. Do what you want to do. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the meeting him, fucking him the same day, and then suddenly they're like deep lovers. Yeah. Like as if they've been together for years. I can't lose you. Like shit like that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you met less than 24 hours ago. You can have human compassion and not want someone to die or like somebody, have a crush, have maybe a tiny little bit of feelings. But the level you're at, you need to take it down. Because I just feel like it's such a bad portrayal of women. Oh, Of like, oh my god, she's so attached to him. It's like, sis, all this? All this for fucking Emilio Estevez? Girl, love yourself. Love yourself, please. Because... What's great, what's great at the beginning about her character, which you brought up, when she's hitchhiking originally a ride from the Bible-toting fucker, and he's, like, being such a creep in the car. He's, like, consistently trying to touch her legs, and she's, like, literally, like, removing his hands and overtly being, like, stop touching me. Like, take your hands off of me. Like, I'm not fucking around. And at first I was like, oh, my God, yes. Give me the strong female lead, baby. And the second she fucking meets Emilio Estevez. Mm-hmm. It's like Emilio Estevez is her world. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Why? Literally, what has he done for her? What? Because because when you're a coked up dude writing an action movie about cars and you want to throw in some kind of like sexy plot line, you're going to have it just be a really, really vapid r- romantic relationship where the woman just like falls for your hero because probably Stephen King related to that character the most because he's his lead. And... It, it's just, it's shallow, it's stupid, it's probably, in my opinion, the most unrealistic thing that happens in this film, despite everything, and I'm going to talk about it in the Q&A, but I'll leave it at that. I, I just think it's stupid. 
Okay, okay. Um, well, speaking of coked up really briefly, I don't think Stephen King was the only one coked up on this set. Did you see fucking Emilio Estevez's eyes during this movie? Did I see that? shit was red beyond belief. That motherfucker needed eyes. Did I watch the film? Did I see his eyes? Yes, I saw his eyes. I mean, girl, did you see them though? Like, they were red beyond, but like, he he was on something. He was also not fully there. I mean, to be fair though, if that's a movie you're making, do you want to be sober? I don't know if I would want to be sober during it. <sighs> that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Especially yeah, if my I'm director just... is not setting a good example. I mean, if he's it's... passing out the coke, bro. Yeah. Like, if it's a set where he's like. He's supplying it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of established that like this is like a set where you can get fucked up. Like I might take advantage of that because I'm young and I'm in a fucking blockbuster film with Stephen King and I'm supposed to be doing these like crazy things. Maybe if I take a little bit of coke. I'll get more into my character and I'll have more fun and I'll feel loose. And honestly, I'd probably do it too. So I'm not going to judge Emilio. I mean, I personally am a little saint and I would never touch a drug ever. And I enjoy Um, an occasional drug. And Alex is a coke fiend. No, I've never done done coke, but we do like the weed in this house. Um... But another movie that does the same shit that I also, when I watched it, I think it's a better a better movie than this. Um, still not a great movie. Um, is Halloween three? Season oh, a hundred percent. That that okay. That movie overall is definitely better than Maximum Overdrive. But that storyline with the woman fucking mm. and falling in love with a man she just met is so much worse than the Maximum Overdrive one. They're both bad. because like she's looking for like. Her mother or something. I can't remember. She's looking for, like, she's, like, distraught. And this dude's like, oh, yeah, I'll, like, help you. They they, they only have one scene together. They're, like, yeah. in the car. And then immediately they're in a hotel room fucking. And you're like, okay, once again, girl, live your truth. Live your life. You want to fuck this motherfucker? Do it. Mm-hmm. But, like, where did we even get to this point? Where was any chemistry? Where was any flirtation? Like, we just missed all of it. And they were just like, okay, now you fuck. Like, there was nothing. So That's I true. hated that so ridiculous so yeah that's something that i would love to uh never see again in a movie unless it's overtly being mocked because it's beyond ridiculous um and it shows little thought into developing your female characters um or just characters in general because it's like literally where is any semblance of a relationship like where is any of this foundation that you think is so strong that like y'all are like Mm. oh my god baby i thought you were gone and it's like i just met you 10 hours ago I will say, I will say that there is one film, in my opinion, that does that where you have two characters meet for like a day or two and then they fall in love. And I think it works beautifully. And that would be Titanic. Okay. Oh, my God. Titanic is a fucking. That's not a day. It's literally like two or three days. Like they really don't have much time together. But it feels. No, it's it's only a couple days. No, I'm saying. No, I'm saying. No, like. It it feels. Yeah, because. James I don't know I don't know if I don't think James Cameron wrote it I don't know honestly who wrote Titanic but it they spend so much time developing that relationship and having it feel genuine so when it does like culminate in that like scene in the car it feels very real and very like oh my god this is like so romantic and nice and that's how you fucking do it if you need some two people to have a very immediate connection do it that way because it works but this shit don't work. But once again, not to go on a Titanic tangent, but you brought it up and I love will. Titanic. It's like 
I, bro, let me tell you in a second. I fucking <laughs> love Titanic. Um, but, like, the way you're talking about, exactly. Like, they don't have, a, yes, okay, maybe they have two or three days, whatever. But, like, they don't have a lot of time together. But, once again, it's beautiful character mm-hmm. building. Because you have Rose, who comes from riches or whatever, but she's clearly miserable. We see that from her family when she's at the dinners with all these people. She doesn't care about the money. She doesn't care about the wealth. She doesn't want to marry the guy she's engaged to. She thinks he's a fucking cunt. Because She is. wants – to the point where she's going to ki- kill herself. She's going to fucking mm-hmm. heave herself over the side of the boat. And then you have Leo, who comes from nothing – like dirt poor won a ticket onto the boat so he sees a beautiful woman from this wealthy class and is enamored with her and but then we still get so then of course like it's like a meat cue of her saving her from jumping (laughs) over the fucking boat but then we get like several scenes and several moments of like he's enamored with her but he gets to know her more and they they like have moments together that feel genuine so then of course you know you have like the naked drawing scene and the scene with the steamy cab oh bitch it's so girl you gotta make me work up to this um that's how you do it good but yeah and it's constructed so well so that like yes at the end when there's obviously the whole debate we can have over and over i'm not gonna do it about them in the water with the fucking boat or not the boat the door and you know she has to say goodbye to him Mm -hmm. it it feels real like he feels like her one chance to get away from the life she doesn't want to like have this real genuine connection with someone and a real love to escape that and obviously he's she's maybe his one chance on top of loving her to like have something more with his life than just like you know poverty um so it works so well but girl when i tell you i used to not used to i still love titanic but i there was a period of time it was probably in middle school i was fucking obsessed with this this was like the only movie in the world to me like i was so obsessed with it and this just goes to show like how bad my attention span has gotten over the years because now if a movie is like you know 120 minutes i'm like (laughs) fine whatever fuck titanic is like i'm pretty sure over two fucking hours they have to oh it's almost three hours yeah i it's so long bro that because i know this because i Mm -hmm. um went in my obsession with it one year for christmas i got like the deluxe fucking like box set like the Mm -hmm. nice collector's edition shit of titanic it was like my big ass gift for the year and like in it they have like the fucking movie itself is split onto two dvds Mm mm-hmm like, and then, of course, there's, like, fucking two or three fucking extra feature things. And I used to watch Titanic religiously, though. Like, I swear to God, it was, like, at least once a week. And I was watching it front to back, not stopping there for the whole thing. And that's, as you said, like, nearly three hours of content. And it was, like, nothing to me. I didn't even realize until I was older and I knew to, like, look at the length of a movie. And I was like, holy shit. This is a long-ass movie. I watch this all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, to age myself a little bit, um, I had the VHS version of that. And the first mm. VHS tape was the first, like, hour and a half where, like, the romance is building and it's so wonderful. And then the second VHS is when they hit the iceberg and shit goes down. And I used to watch it right. all the time with my neighbor. I would Anytime she came over, we would watch it. And I would always get really upset when I had to put the second VHS in because I knew that everything was going to get bad and scary. And also kind of like with my whale fear like the big sh- black ship on the water like sinking is like such a visceral fucking image oh, for me to look at yeah and so i would like look at the vhs cover and like fucking like get such anxiety but 
and like some I feel like honestly I probably seen the first half of Titanic more because as I got older it just like upset me too much to put the second half in. But, oh bitch, I love that shit. When that came out for the the anniversary, they brought it back to theaters in 3D and me and my friends in college went to go see it. Oh my fucking god, seeing it on the big screen. Iconic. I'm so glad I got to do that in my life. It was so wonderful. I fucking bawled my oh, eyes out. Shit, I would love to oh, do that. It was so good. Oh my god. Oh, how did we get here? Fuck. I'm so sorry, guys. That was quite a tangent. We were talking about um building a romance in a short amount of time. You know what? If you're listening to this, we assume you like movies and we assume that you like to hear us ramble, so it's what you're gonna fucking get. I like um, to talk about movies I like. And I don't like maximum overdrive, so I wanted to talk about Titanic. Titanic. <laughs> Is so um, wait the way that we talked about it so much, bro. I might watch Titanic this weekend. I know I was going to sit down, thing. put my phone in a different room. Be uh, uh, no one can contact me for three hours, and I'm going to mm. experience that truly like. That's one of those movies where like we've kind of talked about this. I don't know if it's on the podcast or not, but like there's like movies where like film people will be like, "This is a good movie," and if you don't like it, you just don't get it, or mm. blah blah. Where it's like, okay. I'm not going to like a movie just when you fucking tell me I have to like it. But Titanic is one of those movies where it's, like, it gets a lot of, like, smoke blown up its ass, but deservedly so. Like, oh, yeah. There this was one of those a- movies that, that I will be like, no, this is a masterpiece. There was a big chunk of time where uh, Greg had never seen Titanic, and I always was trying to get him to watch it. And he was always like, I know enough about Titanic. I know what it's going to be. I know it's going to be, like, I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to say that was fine. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Titanic is so good. And so one day I made him watch it and that motherfucker loved it. He was like, fine. Yeah, that was great. And I was like, oh, I know it's such a good movie. I felt so vindicated. Oh, it's so good. I mean, like, I don't know that I know anybody that has watched Titanic who hasn't been like, yeah, masterpiece theater. Like, it's so good. It's peak Leo, And I'm not even somebody. What'd you say? It's peak Leo. Well, I was just about to say that because I'm not even somebody that's like a huge Leo. Like, I don't want to say I'm not a huge Leo fan. In this, like, I like his work. There's a lot of movies he's in that I think he's great in or whatever. Um, I'm not particularly attracted dates, to him. You know, fourteen year old girls. Um, I'm far more attracted to his current girlfriend than I am to him. I'm obsessed with I her. I mean, he has been a lot of. I feel like I see, especially with white men, where like they get older and like. Not that they get fatter or anything, but, like, they just, like, their faces get wider. No, Leo specifically, his head has gotten bigger, but his face has gotten smaller. And so his head expands, but his face shrinks in, and it's really weird. It happened to Matthew Perry, too. I don't get it. Yeah, like, I Yeah, mean, it's weird, man. And you know what they say, white people age like cottage cheese, babe. Um, Ew. But. Oh. <laughs> I hate that. Um, But. I even like you know the young Leo like he's like a classic '90s heartthrob that everyone's like oh my god I'm obsessed with him. I never felt that. The only time I ever felt that was Titanic. Me too. I was like yes, I would willingly throw my body over a, a huge cruise ship in the dark, cold waters of the night if there's a possibility that Leo would come and save me. Because it's not Leo, it's Jack. I'm all about Jack. I'm not about Leo. Yes, 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 yes. You're so right. You're so right. It's not Leo. Um, okay, we should move on. But. Whew. The last thing I want to say before we move into our, our favorite section mm-hmm. is um, we have to talk about the waitress really quickly. Sure. Because she is – she starts out as, like, the kind of what you were talking about where, like, she's the object of all these men in this fucking truck stop diner being like, 
sugar or like honey cakes or whatever the fuck they want to call her she gets attacked by the electric knife which is this one moment of like you get to see it like sawing into her arm and i was like mm-hmm. oh yeah we, we finally get some like blood and then they like cut immediately yeah which i feel like is like a tiny sliver of a taste of what stephen king wanted when it came to like the blood and gore that we maybe could have gotten but had to get cut for censorship reasons mm-hmm. um which is why i'm so happy to be alive now for horror where i feel like everything is on the table oh yeah like every like to the point where i'm like okay i sometimes i'm like i wish you censored this a little bit because i feel sick like, it upsets me that though that now. like we couldn't get a lot of the things he wanted but we still got a fucking image of a dead golden retriever with uh oh i forget what, what was in its mouth yeah. what was in its mouth like a fucking it was like a police it was like a toy police yeah. car like why do i have to see this fucking dead dog but i can't watch the, the blood erupt from the child's body i don't like it Right. Fucking stupid. Um, because they still show the fucking kid getting run full body run over by this thing. Yeah. But that's great. that's something that you find a lot in older horror is like it's not even the it's like oh it's not even like, oh, we can't see a kid die or anything like that. It's with all this stuff, it's like, what is the blood? Mm-hmm. Which is why, like, you know, in a lot of movies, they'll make the blood a different color. Yeah. Like I know in the Evil Dead, that's why it's not like red blood. It's, like, a different color because it's, like, if it's red blood that looks realistic and it's that much blood, no. We won't allow it. It's so stupid. If it's, you know, something that's green or whatever, sure, go for it. Yeah, so it's it's so fucking dumb. And I'm glad that we seem to, as an industry, they don't do that anymore. It's Mm -hmm. kind of just, like, listen, we'll just give you an – like, I feel like there's not a lot that is, like, unrated. Like, you can get, like, an unrated cut of something. You get, like, a director's cut. But even still, a lot of times – Right, but even still in the theaters, like, it's just like, okay, it's a hard R, and you're still getting right. a lot of good shit with that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but this waitress, her her greatest moment is, and she has it, like, twice, but the second time ends with her death, is she's fucking tweaking over everything that's happening. Like, she's fucking losing her mind, and, like, obviously they're all scared, but, like, she's just, like, clearly, like... Of course, because she's a woman as well, I'm sure. Like, she can't handle this. It's too much for her. So she keeps running outside to where the trucks are and screaming like, We made you! We made you! Don't you understand? And it's so fucking funny. And the first time she did it, I was like, oh, homegirl is on one. Mm-hmm. And then they like, they, like, drag her back inside. They're like, what are you doing? Get in here. And then later, she runs out and does it again. She's like, what don't you understand? We made you! And then has the bazooka in hand. And then in this moment, it's like, she's screaming, we made you, we made you! And then this little truck that has like a little, um, like, I don't even know what you would call it. There's a word for it, but I don't know what it is. Like a little like gun on the top of it. Shoots her, I'm pretty sure, dead. While it shoots her, it causes her to set off the bazooka. Which, I, I don't even remember. This seemed, like I feel like the bazooka goes off and then, like, it blows up another truck. Like, it's, this woman is just pure chaos at this point in the movie. And I just really appreciated that, like, in these long-ass scenes, them being like, okay, this is the plan. How we're going to outsmart these trucks. She was the one, but it was like, what the fuck? And, like, running outside and just, like, screaming. And I was like, yes, yes. Give me something. Give me something to work with. Give me something to enjoy watching in this 97-minute movie that feels like it's fucking Titanic length. Jesus. Okay, this is the last thing I want to bring up. Uh, I know I said the other one's going to be the last one, but this is the last one. Promise. Is, I promise. I promise. I cross my hair up to die. Um, 
The one thing, and I know you're not going to be shocked about this at all. The one thing I love about this movie was this boy on the bike. Glenn. Yes. Because of my love for 80s horror with children riding bikes. It was so Stephen King. It felt very Stephen King. It felt like Bill But there's one scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, what the fuck is the name of the goddamn bike? It's Uh, not silver, is it? um, God damn it. I don't remember. Oh, God. Stephen King fans don't come for us. We're sorry. Um, But there's a scene after the carnage at the baseball field, and he's the only one that survives, Mm -hmm. um, where he's riding on his, like, very suburban street, and, like, this is, it's, like, kind of played for laughs a tiny bit, but he's biking, and, of course, he's, like, fucking freaked out of his mind. It's like, what's going on? No one's around. And slowly, like, behind him, like, all the sprinklers come on on their own. And then as he continues to ride to the neighborhood, this is where we see, like, everyone in his neighborhood is dead, including the dog. Like, people, a pizza car or a pizza delivery truck has crashed. Like, all this shit. And he's just seeing, and it's this great moment of, like, this kid being seemingly left alone in this new world of like oh my god what's gonna happen blah blah blah. he doesn't know what to do and then of course around the corner you hear the music of an ice cream truck that's driving on its own great image he like hides behind a bush and then after the ice cream truck goes by and he comes out what comes after him but a bloody lawnmower said lawnmower that uh lost the dp his right eye um but Bloody Lawnmower comes after him. And just this whole sequence of these shots of, like, him on the bike with the sprinklers in, like, broad daylight, beautiful suburbia, but there's horror and carnage everywhere. Like, that image to me um, is is so indicative of what I love to see. Even, I mean, yes, it's huge in 80s horror, but, like, as I talked about in our Ginger Snaps episode, like, I love suburban horror it because I grew up in suburbia lived in the same house my whole life, lived in the same neighborhood my whole life. That stuff really resonates with me as like, oh my God, yeah, I love horror in suburbia. I love being like, oh, like something that seems so safe and so chipper and so happy. And like, you know, it's always the same to like have all of a sudden that environment be disrupted by something like really dark or really bloody or really brutal works so well for me. So that was the part of the movie where I was like, oh yes, I love this. But sadly, it is such a small part of the movie, and a huge part of the movie is just all these buffoons at the fucking truck stop, that I was heavily disappointed. And I'm sure I will bring this up a little further in our uh, next segment. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I agree, I think that that scene is one of the highlights of the film. I think that there are a few scenes scattered throughout that I really enjoyed, and I think this is one of them. I really liked the, the woman who was dead hanging out of the top window of her house. You know, it was fun. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have been a lot gorier, but like, whatever. But two things that (laughs) you're probably not going to agree with, which is fine. But one, I already know you won't because this is the scene where I went, does he look like Seed of Chucky? And so that's the scene where it really, it really connected for me. Um, But also, I thought he was a really bad actor. I thought that his reactions to seeing all of these, oh, yeah, he's not a good actor. Really, really, really like low-key like he was just kind of like there's a dead person that's another dead person oh there's a dead woman up there what's going on and like i was like dude why aren't you freaking out like if i saw one fucking dead person i'd be booking it on my bike he's just kind of like slowly going down the street like checking out all the bodies just like huh what's going on here like he doesn't even seem scared so i was like "Mm, 
like as much as I like what's going on in the scene, I I still can't believe any of it because this kid is giving me nothing. Maybe he needed a little bit of coke. Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh I'm my kidding. god. Um, oh, okay. A Coca-Cola can is what we meant. Yeah, we do not to... promote children using Coke. Um, uh, that's great. <laughs> but, I mean, no, you're exactly right. And, like, there's even a scene later because the whole thing is, like, his dad mm-hmm. works at the truck stop. He's the fucking dude that, like, so stupid. When the fucking oh my God. gas stops coming up. This shit, I was like, you deserve it. You deserve it. He's, like, pumping – early in the movie, he's, like, pumping gas. And as shit starts to go haywire, the machine, like, stops working. So he, like, takes it out of the truck, and he, like, is looking at the little, like, nozzle, fully pointed at his face. Yeah. It's, like, as if you were checking a gun to be, like, why isn't it shooting, pointing it directly at your face? It's, mm-hmm. like, well, of course you know it's going to go off, bro. Like, do not point something like that toward yourself. So, of course, while he's pointing at himself, the gasoline spews out and is, like, burning his eyes. And he's, like, I did like that. He's he, he's down for the count for a good part of the movie, and then of course the second he's like, I gotta go find my son, and like gets up to leave, he gets like killed by a truck instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when the kid finally makes it to the truck stop because he's trying to find his dad, the fucking Bible salesman that got like fucking thrown down into a ditch like grabs him by the ankle, and is like, "You better help me out of here, blah blah blah." And in this moment where he's supposed to be like scrambling to get away and like, "No, get off me, blah blah," he's like, "No, let me go, let me go." <laughs> And it's like, mm, I need you to have a little more uh, urgency in your your please, child. I, I blame I blame all the performances on Stephen King because as a director, he should have been giving notes and pushing for more from his actors, but he was too fucked up. Mm. Right, he wasn't he wasn't there. He was on Mars. He was up in that fucking alien spacecraft that the Russians mm-hmm. shot down. Apparently, Correct. um. But there was just, there's one scene in that scene I was talking about in the neighborhood that I was like, I love this kid. And then instantly it was back to him, like, being a bad actor. It's literally the opening of the scene when he's riding on the bike. And he just kind of was, like, looks really confused. And the sprinklers come on behind him. And he, like, turns to see it happen. Something about that scene, that, that one second, like, played really well for me. And I was like, I think I like this kid. And then, yeah, it was just bad <laughs> acting. And I was like, never mind. He's not a good actor. Wow. Um, Doesn't take that much. That is the last thing doesn't take much for me to fucking cut you um so now after all of that it is time children are creeps for your favorite part the cue and slay amazing i feel like we have gone over almost entirely everything that i'm gonna talk about in the cue and slay so my answers are probably gonna be somewhat brief um but we'll see if you have some new things um, I will start and ask you what okay. is your favorite line? Well, I had a few. Do you okay. have a like, – I feel like I don't want to take whatever yours is going to be. Do you have a lot or no? No, I have like, like one. I have like maybe one. <laughs> I hated the script. I'm going to let – then why don't you go okay. first and I'll answer after you. Okay. Well, because I hated so much of the dialogue of this film, initially I was going to say that mm-hmm. my favorite – my favorite – line was going to be kind of a cheat which was going to be the bank saying fuck you fuck you fuck you and that asshole on the atm i really liked that but if i'm gonna go with an actual line of dialogue i still don't like this line but i like the the intent behind the line which is when brett has been she's driving with the bible salesman and he's like sexually harassing Uh her and she's telling him to get the fuck off of her she says if you don't get your hand off my leg, you're going to be wiping your ass with a hook next time you take a dump. Which I don't like, but 
I do like that she threatened him. <laughs> so that's uh, the best I can do. What do you not like about the line? Um, you think I don't, it's stupid sounding or? I don't like the word dump. Mm. I guess. I don't like that's wiping fair. your ass, take a dump. I just, I just, it, it just feels like gross. I don't like it. I feel like a lot of the dialogue feels like something that like a middle-aged man would say that I just can't connect to. I would never tell someone that like, oh, are you going to go take a dump? Like, I just don't talk like that. So I, I'm like, oh, oh, right, 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 right. You know? Okay. Just not for well, me. Well, I'm glad I let you go first because that was going to be like my number one choice. Okay, I do good. love that line. Yeah, if I, it was one of the things where it's like, oh my God, like, yeah, that's like such a killer line. I have no problem with her saying wiping your ass. I don't, yeah, yeah like you, I don't prefer the word dump. If she had said like, <laughs> next time you take a shit would even be better for me. I agree. Um, or next time you go to the bathroom or anything. Next time you the poop. Dump specifically. Next time you or do a I, poop. Honestly, I feel like she just had could she could have just been like, next time you wipe your ass, it'll be with a hook. Like you don't need to talk. Like, yeah, that's true. You no. Know? But yeah. No, you're right. What else? What else? Um. Okay, so the other I had three others other than that one. Jeez. Um, if they're not good lines. <laughs> they're not like, oh my god, this is incredible writing. <laughs> One is um, Emilio Estevez turning to his boss and very matter-of-factly, like, this is after, like, shit has already hit the fam, and they're, like, all watching their trucks outside. He's like, you, sir, without a doubt, are one of the biggest fuckheads I've ever met in my life. Wow, Which he I feel does like, a lot of fuckheads. He does a lot of fuckheads, but that is, to me, the supreme fuckhead in the mm, movie. Um, just because it's delivered just, like, so, like, oh, you know? Um, and, of course, it's to your boss. And, listen, we've all had a boss or someone – maybe mm-hmm. above us at one point or another i know you mm-hmm. have bitch that <laughs> you're like you're the biggest fuckhead i've met in my life and it would be so beautiful and just triumphant to just look at them and easy breezy just deliver this line so for that reason it was definitely a top choice for me you know i kind of have um, done that so i do connect to that y- yes you have you're I a have. titan <laughs> you're a titan when it comes to telling off your boss i don't give a um, shit there's one <laughs> I know, and it's so scary Ugh. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I never um, got fired. <laughs> Alex is incredible. Like, Thank you. Let me just take a moment to fucking blow some smoke up Alex's ass. <laughs> um, she is, she has, she is the queen of being like, I don't give a fuck. I'll do it. Her and our friend Christine, like to the point where, like, if you like need them to do something for you, like, oh my god you know they'll, they'll have your back but also sometimes when you're like i don't know if i should say this they'll be the ones that are like i'll fucking do it and before you can stop them they're already walking over to do it um, <laughs> I know, i've gotten to a point in my life where like i don't really give a shit anymore if you're gonna be an asshole or you're gonna be condescending i'm gonna say something to you about it because i'm not the one in the wrong so i don't care i'm gonna say something and i love it alex is bold alex is really bold i mean i have a fucking mouth of a trucker um and i might seem bold i'm not Alex is, in fact, bold. Um, Thank you. So I just wanted to commend her for that. Thank Um, you. You're welcome. Um, Another line, going back to the ditch moment, is when the Bible thumper is driving the child. And he's, like, in this, like, scratchy voice. He's like, you better get me out of this ditch or by Jesus I'll kill you. (laughs) Um, And just, yeah, once again, something about the delivery, the gravel voice, the by Jesus. I was just like, Yeah. Even though I've never been in a ditch and desperately grabbing at a child to help me, something about the the power behind that line really spoke to me. I'm like, I've been in that mm-hmm. moment where I'm like, if you don't fucking help me, I will end you. Like, 
So yeah. once again, you know, really spoke to me. And then my last one is with my 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 little king, this little on the bike uh, seat of Chucky, supposedly child. Mm-hmm. Um, once they escape the truck stop, they're like running to get to somewhere to get to like the boats somewhere. It doesn't it doesn't fucking matter. They're like running to the town and they stop by this. Um, they're like hiding behind a fence, but they're right by a drive-through lane, like mm-hmm. what you would see, like a McDonald's or something. And the big like drive-through light-up window slash like speaker box like is fucking like alive, and I guess sees them somehow, and it's like. It starts, like, saying, and it's, like, robot voice. It's, like, humans, humans, mm-hmm. humans. I did like that. So That would be my other choice. So he, the little kid, like, gets up very, like, oh, I'll handle this. And I think he has a, I don't know if he has a bazooka. No, he has, like, a gun. It doesn't even matter. But points the gun at this drive through window and is, like, this is for my dad, you loudmouth <laughs> son of a bitch, and <laughs> shoots it. And I was like, oh, see, it's like little moments like these that I was like, if this was the whole movie, forget about it. Forget about it. I would fucking love it. But it's not. A majority of this 97-minute runtime is wasted. And thus, I I cannot say that I really enjoyed it that much. Um, But those are my answers for favorite lines. Yeah, I do. I feel like I personally really prefer the lines spoken by the electronics. Because I really did like human, mm. human. I thought that was funny. I liked that. Right, 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 right. I will actually ask a question now since I technically went first. Um, who would be your partner in crime? Um, hmm. Honestly, probably the little kid. Yeah. Because honestly, like on his own, he survived a lot. He was the only survivor from the carnage of the baseball field. Was mm-hmm. completely by himself in his neighborhood and made it all the way from like suburbia out on like a friggin' highway truck stop on his mm-hmm. own. And then within the group survives. That's like true. he makes it all the way. Like, so honestly, I would choose him because I feel like, on top of the fact that like I would get to live my suburban riding on a bike dream with him, um, I also feel like I would have a really good chance of surviving sticking with him. So he would be my choice. What about you? And you might even be able to meet his father, Chucky, if you're lucky. Um, yeah, shut the fuck <laughs> up! He doesn't look like Glenn slash Brenda. Whatever. Um, I, plot twist, hate everybody. So, my partner in crime is How a is big... That a plot twist? No, because I didn't finish my sentence. Plot twist. I hate everyone. So, my partner in crime is the big green goblin truck. I want to work with him. I want to work with him to oh. kill everybody. Plot twist, I'm going to get in that truck because I love that goblin. I love the clown face drawn on the fucking back. I love the red interior. It's so homey. I want to live inside that truck. I'm going <laughs> to drive. I'm going to drive that thing around and just kill everyone. So, yeah. <laughs> Not you saying it's fucking homey. It's homey. <laughs> I just feel so warm and comfortable in there. Honestly, the the red great. interior I mean, leather is so fine. I love it. I mean, I said I would partner up with Jack Frost. So you know what? Like, yeah. Good for you. I support you. this choice. Um, even though the truck is vastly underutilized in the film, even though it's like the big set piece and yeah. like the fucking poster. Um, yeah, I still, I applaud that. Um, Thank you. All right. So next question. Yeah. What is your favorite kill from the movie? Okay. I was hoping you would ask me this because I only have one answer. Um, 
Well, I had two. But we I feel like talking. I only have one answer, too, and I feel like it might be the same it's one. It's probably the same one. We can do it as a joint thing. It's fine. Um, well, my original okay. answer was going to be the bridge scene, but then you talked about it in in depth, so I'm not going to go into it again. But I did really like the bridge scene. Okay. Um, but the best death scene is the baseball scene. Yes. Is that your, is that your scene? Yes. Okay. But I have a specific death from the baseball scene that might be I think, different than yours. I think, no, I think we have the same. Well, because obviously the flattening of the kid is fucking iconic. I, it, when it yeah. happened, I was like, what? It was great. I loved it. I know. When it happened, I literally was like, Alex is going to love the <laughs> <with a> child. <laughs> I just like that you go there. It's fine. I don't want kids to die, but like fucking go there. If it, if it fits in the scene, do it. Um, but no, it's the vending machine death because, okay, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, the the baseball team wins their game. The coach is real happy. He goes, soda's on me, boys. And he goes, it's kind of like, the, what are you doing with those pads, boys? Um, he, yeah. <laughs> he He's like, I'm going to go buy all these kids a soda, but the machine malfunctions. And then it just starts shooting out sodas at this mm-hmm. poor man. But the thing that I both loved and hated about it is that the the prop that they used was so fucking bad because their close-up shots of the soda machine where it's very clearly like two tubes like you would see in a batting cage where like the balls would come out of that they're shooting these soda cans out of and then after the guy Uh is dead they show the vending machine again and now those tubes are gone and i'm like bro continuity if you're going to have the tubes, keep right. the tubes. But, yeah, he gets smashed in the face with a soda. He gets, like, a circular bloody gash on his forehead. It could have been better. But, you know, death by Coke. <laughs> death, by, death by Coke, babe. Baby. That's all a metaphor. Yeah. Um, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have to say the same exact thing. I mean, it starts out with him getting hit severely in the nuts with one yeah. of these. Like, he goes down. You would think he would move out of the way, though. You think he'd be like, oh, fuck, I'm getting out of, like, the the shot of this fucking vending machine. But he doesn't. Right, right, right. He just stands there. And, of course, then he's at, like, eye level. He gets hit in the head. And we don't see it at first. And then we just get, like, the shots of, like, now it's, like, like a cannon shooting these fucking Coke cans out at the kids on the field. And they're, like, running and screaming. Like, it's got some fucking range. Goddamn. Mm, But then when, um... The little kid. You said his name. I can't remember it. Um, Glenn. Derek. <laughs> what is it? Glenn. No, shut the fuck up. That's what I've been calling Not him this Glenn. whole time. I've been calling him Glenn the whole time. I don't know his name. I literally didn't notice because I didn't bother to write this kid. I was like, sure. And now only has it clicked for me. That's fucking um, great. Thank you. I'm working at like half speed, clearly. Um, but when he comes over, yeah, he has that. He has like a bloody circular wound, supposedly where like a can would hit him. Mm-hmm. What I really would have loved is... um. Like Seth Green in Idle Hands, mm-hmm. I would have loved if, like, where, like, the bottle is sticking out of his head, I would have loved if, like, the Coke can was, like, embedded into his skull at this point and just, like, sticking out with blood around it. I think that would have been awesome. But, unfortunately, that's not what we got. But still, the vending machine, just because of how ridiculous it is, has mm-hmm. to be the best death of the whole movie. I 100% agree. Um, it's the best scene in general. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what would you change about this movie? Well, wouldn't you change? Am I right? <laughs> Literally. Um, my big thing going back to um the suburban street thing is I I mean hopefully would have gotten a better child actor, but I would have made the focus. It would have been a classic 
80s kid adventure whatever horror where like yes all technology is coming to life and maybe it's already killed most of the adults in the world so he has to survive on his own maybe meet up with other kids like you know whatever like because I just loved that imagery of that scene and like the imagery of like oh he's like being attacked by like suburban technology like a fucking vacant ice cream truck that's haunting as shit that's so scary and then you know the lawnmower like I loved all that stuff and that was the only part of the movie where I was like really happy and enjoying it like anytime we cut to the truck stop I was like I don't care fucking move on so to make this better movie in my eyes I would have truly changed so much of the plot and it would have just been about a kid dealing with sure whatever the fuck the stupid comet shit is they can still have the same results on the technology but it would be following him rather than the people at the truck stop that would be my my different movie I would much rather watch that version yeah for sure um which is shocking uh, because you are not a boys on bikes horror mm -mm. movie fan not usually no but I'm even more not an action-packed truck explosion kind of person so Mm -hmm. you know pick the lesser of two evils um I mean I guess I technically have two things I mean I would in general wish this was just directed by somebody other than Stephen King because I think maybe we could have gotten a better film But if I'm going to change something about the plot, I would just fully remove the entire romantic subplot. It's not necessary. It doesn't add anything to the film. It just feels forced Mm. and stupid. Uh, You know, it it just, it really like took me out of it because I really thought that I was going to have a character that I could root for and was going to care about in Brett. And then when she pulled that shit, just like fawning over fucking Emilio Estevez, I no longer cared about her. And... I just think it kind of, like, took away from the film rather than add to it. So that's what I would change. Yeah, I mean, I it, take it, that out. it cheapens her character so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> well, lastly, mm-hmm. would you survive, Alex? Would you survive Maximum Overdrive? Okay, well, I have I would single- simply get in the truck. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> I have said I would survive every single time, so... I know. (laughs) For this movie, I will say that I do not think I would survive because I, I mean, I don't know if I, I don't know. It depends if I was, if this was like in 87 or if it's like happening today in 2020, but I use so much technology. There's technology all around me. And I feel like even in the comfort of my own home, if I was hiding, there's still so many things around me that could get me that I wouldn't be able to like think of to like get rid of before they snuck up on my ass that I would probably get got by like my fucking hair straightener or something without thinking about it so I I think that in this situation yeah I probably would not fare super well um I I don't know with this one part of me wants to be like I think I would survive because I I do drive. I have a license, but currently living in LA, I don't have a car, so I don't drive that much. And I'm not someone that loves to drive. So speaking in the car situation, I don't find myself in or around cars a lot. Um, so I would be safe in that sense. But also, like you're saying, like I do surround myself with technology a lot. You know, nothing crazy, like my phone, my laptop, a TV. Like I don't even have in my new apartment, I don't have a lot of like electrical appliances other than like the oven. Um, but you know, with the fucking, you never know with the fucking logic in this movie, anything at any point, I guess, could become sentient 
and come after you. Um, so, I'd say, uh, probably, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's hard to say because like you're saying, it's like, yeah. if it takes place in the 80s, it's a different thing entirely. And I feel like oh, it's yeah. one of those movies where it's also like circumstantial because of the fact that there's no fucking rules with this shit. That it's like, it, I guess it depends where you are, like when this shit is happening. Like if you're in like a remote cabin getaway for a week, you're fucking safe. Like you're good to go. Right. If you are uh, in the car on the fucking highway, uh, sayonara, like you're fucked. Um, so I would say in, in theory, if it's taking place modern day, yeah, I don't think, I think a lot of us would not make it. Um, yeah, if, if it was happening case. right so, now, my stand mixer would just like fucking decapitate me probably. Oh my god, my stand mixer is out too. Um, ah. We fucked. Yeah. In the same exact way. Um, but something I wanted to bring up quickly before we close this out is mm-hmm. over Thanksgiving, we had a very small, not me and you, unfortunately, very sad because we're so far apart. But in LA, I had a very small Friendsgiving. We all got tested for Corona. We're negative. Um, so it was very safe. Um, literally, it was like six of us. Um, mm-hmm. We did a powerpoint party which if you are on tiktok you might be familiar with it's essentially where everyone just makes a powerpoint on whatever the fuck they want to make a powerpoint on and you present it and it's usually just like funny or silly or stupid but our one friend jesse she made a powerpoint that the topic of the powerpoint was um you know all the different powerpoint ideas i've had within the last like 24 hours um (laughs) so it was a powerpoint about different possible powerpoints she could have done Mm -hmm. and one of them which literally i was like oh my god this is it's the most profound thing I've ever heard. It's like, of course, it's so obvious. Where she, her argument was that big trucks should not be allowed to drive on the same roads as the rest of us. They should have separate roads built. And I was like, yeah. Like, oh my God. So like the, anytime I've been in the car with anyone, it doesn't matter who they are, how long they've been driving, where we are. The, the second you're like driving next to a big truck, the panic sets in. Oh, like the time I almost killed us first in Albany? Up, holy fuck you guys we were coming back from this fucking from the nationally ranked uh headless horseman haunted hayride so good it was like 2 a.m late and we were trying to stay awake i had driven to albany that day i had driven all the way to albany and then i drove us the hour and a half to the hayride and i was driving us an hour and a half back from the hayride at 2 a.m i just wanted to clarify that Mm -hmm. because i'm a very good driver i've never been in an accident She's a very good driver and she's a very good big sister because I was like, bitch, I know you're my guest. Let it sing at my house for the weekend. And like, you're not familiar with this area, but also like I am a pussy when it comes to driving at night and driving on the highway. Please drive us. And she did. And on the way back, we were trying to stay awake. You know, me being like every 10 minutes. Okay. Like, you know, 40 more minutes till we get home. Just like mm-hmm. doing that. And at one point, yeah, we, we, we were not paying attention or whatever it was. And we were trying to get off on this exit, but we were like on the wrong ramp or something. And this no, truck no, no. It was, drove us off the road. No, it's because we were we were merging onto a new highway and it was two lanes. But the truck was on the left of me and it was like it was like stressing me out because it was too close to me. So I was like, fuck this. I don't want to be next to this. I'm going to speed up and I'm just going to get ahead of it. And I didn't know that it was going to it was going to switch from two lanes to one lane. And so by the time I finally got to the the top, it became one lane. And so I had to slam on my brake so that I didn't smash into the truck. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I almost just killed us. But we were fine. Everything was fine. But like it was dicey. And that's why trucks should not exist. 
Yeah, I mean, like, just think of the technology and shit in other countries where they have, like, you know, the, uh, like, there, there's so much underground transit you can do. Mm-hmm. Like, they have, like, the underwater fucking shit now. Like, you could just, like, all the, there's so many options. There's no fucking reason that the trucks have to drive on the same road as cars. Like, they, there's so many fucking accidents with that shit. Yeah. Like, figure it out. Um, I think I would start a petition to, uh. If, if we got that, if that happened, it got greenlit, I think I would then petition, like, fucking Ford F-150 trucks to, like, also be included. Because anyone that's driving a fucking Ford F-150 is usually an asshole. And they're usually, like, driving way too fast. And, like, the amount of times I've almost got into physical altercations with, like, white dudes in big fucking pickup trucks because they didn't like that I, like, drove next to them. I can't. And I would like them removed as well. Petition that Ford F-150s no longer get made. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> My dad has one. <laughs> well, you know. You win some, you lose some, sir. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that is Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. Um, As we said, you know, we already said at the beginning, but maybe if you need a reminder, it's on Prime if you want to stream it. And now we have to end out, as always, with our ratings. So, Miss Alex, I will let mm-hmm. you go first. What do you rate Maximum Overdrive? Well, I think this is going to come as no surprise that I'm giving this film a one-star, busty blonde, first dead in the movie. I did not like it. I did not care for it. It was bad. Mm. Mm-hmm. One star. I think yeah, that's my I'm- lowest rating to date. We've never given a busty blonde before today. Not even yeah. the Anaconda. I because don't Anaconda think. had that that lipstick um, scene. And you think about Anaconda <laughs> briefly. Okay. Anaconda is a bad movie, but Anaconda is three thousand times more entertaining to watch. Oh yeah. Than this movie. Now, was this episode, in my opinion, more fun to record than the Anaconda episode? Yes. But that we've already discussed many times is because we didn't have the right format for ourselves yet. And maybe if we had done Anaconda later, it would be a different oh, story. If but we had an Anaconda with movies, this format, ooh, girl. We, it would great. have been the best episode of a podcast oh, ever created, obviously. Um, But yeah, so movie-wise, uh, yeah, this is leagues beneath Anaconda. Um, I would also, I'm going to be so fucking generous. And this is going to get... Um, a busty blonde that also smokes pot. So, you Ooh. know, busty blonde between stoner bro. So 1.5 for the stars. And the only extra 0.5 is coming in for just like the ti- the few tiny moments I will give this. Of like the suburban thing I like. You know, ridiculous lines here or there. Or like visuals. Like, you know, just suddenly there's bazookas in the movie for some reason. And the knowledge of knowing that Stephen King was so coked out of his mind, he does not remember making this movie. I have to give it something, uh, just a tiny little sprinkle extra for that. So for me, it would be uh, Busty Blonde That Smokes Pot. Um, Okay. So. Fair enough. I think I can say for both of us. We're not really recommending this movie. <laughs> um, if you want to seek it out and watch it because, you know, you're a dedicated fan of the pod and you want to watch everything, yeah, I mean, I'm the same way with anything. Even if I know something's going to be dog shit, I'll watch it. Um, but, you know, Godspeed to you on that journey. Um, but if you're someone that's like, I only want to watch the shit you recommend, this is not one of them. It's not. It simply is not one of them. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if you have anything else to say as we close out uh, – Maximum Overdrive, Alex. Uh, no, I guess I just, I hope that Maximum Overdrive as our first film of the year is not any indication to the quality of the films we will be discussing this year. 
Or the quality of the year ahead of us. Honestly. I think that we can really only go up from here. And I have high hopes for 2021. And yeah, just check out our Instagram because we're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff on there. And we'll see you next month, I guess. Yes, we'll see you next month unless we decide to go crazy with a mini-sode. You never know with us gals. But uh, that's all we got for you so far in January. So happy new year. I hope it's a good one. And as always, keep it creepy. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. We want, as always, to thank those who've helped us get here. Without them, we would just be screaming about horror to each other instead of in a podcast form. So first, a big thank you to Bridget Garrity for creating our amazing artwork that we love. Please feel free to follow her and check out all of her other artwork on her Instagram at Bridget underscore Elizabeth XO. Support her. We love her. Literally, Anya's sister. Um, A huge thank you also to Nathan Graham, who is our musically talented friend and created our intro music. Please support him on his Instagram at official blue caprice and check out all of his original music on Spotify. And lastly, thank you to my guy, Greg Vellante, for editing all of our episodes every month so we don't sound too stupid. Uh, Feel free to check him out on Twitter at Vellante Views. And if you are so inclined and you for some reason like me and you want to follow me on social media i don't post very often i am much more of a lurker but please feel free uh, if you want to check out an occasional photo of my cats you can follow me on twitter at alex Bramley. and if you'd like to follow me on social media please do i love any form of validation my twitter is at a 15 my instagram is at g-e-e-w-a-y the number four and then ever so that's G-Way forever. And if you want to keep up with everything I'm watching, you can follow me on Letterboxd at agarity15. Or you can just search my name and I should be the only Anya Garrity that pops up. Uh, I give my hot takes on a lot of horror movies there as well as non-horror cinema as well. And if you just can't bear the thought of social media accounts that don't have both of our presence, fear not. You can follow The Girls Who Cried Be Horror on Instagram at The Girls Who Cried Be Horror and Twitter at Girls Who Cried BH. You can also email us all your thoughts, opinions, and darkest secrets at thegirlswhocriedbehorror at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Leaving written reviews really helps us out and helps the podcast out a lot, and it only takes a minute. So please do us this kindness, and in return, you will own a piece of our souls forever. (laughs) You'll become a horcrux. So thank you so much, y'all, and until next time, keep it creepy. The girls who cried be horror